0: Head to com slash merch.
1: Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit com slash merch today.
0: And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Real, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation.
1: Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie.
0: Now we'd like to introduce you to our originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on the next reel was that was an adaptation?
1: Uh, Well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, Then we did Charlie Kaufman. Oh, Oh, of course. It was Adaptation. Uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief.
0: Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material.
1: That's right. Just head over to com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed.
0: From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club.
1: To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations.
0: Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with the natural and field of dreams adapted from Shoeless Joe.
1: And up in the air, and thank you for smoking. So many memorable conversations.
0: Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support The Next Reel and our family of
1: shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version.
0: We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we'd put it on
1: there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com originals, support The Next Reel, and get your next great read today.
0: I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode
1: of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like.
0: So thank you everybody for downloading and listening to the next reel. We appreciate your time and attention and we hope you enjoy the show. You, know. just wanna, you just want to you just want to sort of feel it out. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't know why I can't talk about them.
0: Well, I think you should I for one Think you should uh, think you should talk about it. I would like to open with this, and since I'm already recording, we'll go ahead. Ah, we'll same. go ahead and do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, where yeah. do you stand?
1: Where
0: do you stand on uh, on on the the Google Plus uh, Hangout? Have you seen this?
1: I've never. I I've only participated in a in a Hangout once. It was kind of just a trial Hangout at work, just to see if we could do it. And we did. And we're like, this will be great. We can do this all the time for work. And then we've never done it again.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, it's fantastic. And I use it all the time, particularly for teaching. But what I'm thinking about is because just this week, I think this is pretty cool, just this week, they released Hangouts On Air for everybody. Do you know what this is, the Hangouts On Air?
1: No. Tell me. I'm
0: so glad because now this is like the... uh, I get to, I get to, to talk about it. So Hangouts on Air is this little checkbox that you get when you turn on a new Hangout inside the, uh, inside the Google Plus. And it lets you record. So Google will then record your Hangout and publish it for you on your YouTube channel. And that then becomes
1: the way you do, uh,
0: Hangout shows. Mm, like video, a... video hangout broadcasts.
1: So we could actually do like our. We could do the show on Google Plus. So no, but how does is, and and it cuts? From my recollection of the one hangout I did, it kind of does a not a voice recognition, but it kind of determines which video stream has the voice coming from it and it just automatically kind of tries to switch to whichever it's the most it does
0: it does but you can kind of quote i'm heavily air quoting. if we were on google plus you would see that i'm air quoting uh hey it you can produce like you can write it and and say i want this person to be on focus now and i want this person to be focused now so camera one ready camera one go camera one ready camera two go. i would say that while we're while we're doing it i would wow that would ready, be like ready andy go andy uh... ready pete <laughs> go pete so you'd have <laughs> to be you'd really be have like. to be on you'd have to really yeah. be on because
1: i'd be saying that during <laughs> during our during conversation <laughs> That would be so <laughs> awesome we should do a start right now so uh but
0: what do you think because you know it was uh it, it we've gotten that comment before that we should do like uh, we should try doing a uh like a watch along.
1: Well, if we did that, event. I'd have to start wearing clothes again while we're doing our podcasts. Whoa, did you know I was gonna go there, did you? <laughs> Ready, Andy, go Andy. <laughs> Huzzah. Yikes. No, um, that's an interesting idea. I think it's a great idea.
0: I, I don't know if we could do the full watch along because that would be a snoozer, I think, for a lot of it. But I think having uh having a show where we could do a live uh kind of uh live uh uh, broadcast i think would be really cool and i would i would still record the uh record the audio track on this end of release as a podcast uh just like usual uh but we do the the actual live show via google plus so that's what i'm thinking about so if anybody has any thoughts on it if they would tune in for a late night movie chat uh on uh, thursday nights uh we would uh we're considering it when i say we andy starting just a few minutes ago has begun considering it
1: I have just yeah. started, so, and I, I still am. So you think about <laughs> that.
0: That'd be fun. So what else is going on this week? How's your way? First of all, where can people find you, Andy?
1: They can find me at uh, uh, on Facebook. They can find me on Google+. They can find me on the Twitter at The Movie Monkey. And um, and at Rash Pixel, of course, that's fantastic. So you're you're still the movie monkey everywhere. You haven't made the move. I'm, uh, I'm yeah, getting, I'm antsy. I, I'm just very unsettled about any right. any change that I've come up with. None of them feel right. So I just, uh, all right, I just can't figure out what to do.
0: All right. Well, standing by on that. I'm Pete Wright at uh, pretty much everywhere. Facebook, Pete Wright, uh, Google+, Plus. you know, just search for Google+, uh, and at Pete Wright on Twitter. And, uh, of course, at RashPixel.tv where you can find all the RashPixel shows. You can also find us on iTunes. We encourage you to find us on iTunes. Just search for RashPixel. You'll see all the shows that we do or uh, movies we like, and that will come right up for you. And uh, so please uh, find us there. Leave us a comment if you like the show. We would love to hear what you think there. You can also find us on Stitcher, Smart Radio, if you're a Stitcher user, make sure you go download the app from your app store of choice, and uh, and then you can listen to us uh, on demand and on the go, Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, and that, that's the uh, the big announcement list for the week now it. what's going on with you we were just lamenting that we hadn't seen the avengers yet seems like everybody in the world has seen the Avengers. actually uh, it is everyone it is in the world
1: has seen it at least a couple of times a couple already, of times based, it is based on fish... how much money that thing is i know
0: in. And that is unreal yeah uh but you know what is let me tell you what is nice about this that i i have two uh opinions on the matter uh, on avengers first of all i you know i've i've watched the clips that they have released that the official channel and and other unofficial channels have released on youtube and and i uh have yet to be disappointed uh, in what i am seeing and and the feedback on the film seems like it is uh it, it is exactly what a giant blockbuster should be and finally uh and again haven't seen the movie yet but it sounds like this is the film that's going to change things uh, in in a, a pretty substantive way for Joss Whedon, and that maybe excite we that we excites get more me. But yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, it, well, that's what I'm hoping is that maybe we'll get uh, we'll get you know Joss Whedon's stuff to be looked at a little bit more critically, a little bit more seriously, because he's I I've been a fan of this guy for a long time, yeah. and uh, and it's about time that he's he's got some he he's got a little bit of budget cred to him
1: so yeah i think um it, it is pretty exciting i mean it um it'll be interesting to see i mean you know aside from you know the avengers 2 you know they're going to be making thor 2 captain america 2 iron man 3 i haven't heard anything about um the hawkeye movie hawkeye or black widow but (laughs) i you know considering the amount of money this is gonna just you know bank i wouldn't be surprised if they start trying to add more another hulk movie you know just more characters i i have a feeling it's just they're just gonna do everything they can to just yeah, yeah suck all the money out of it that they can make
0: yeah uh Yeah, I, you know, I sometimes, and it's hard because you get so used to feeling like, God, I need to hate the big budget movies. You know what I mean? Like there are a few, uh, a few directors, a few actors, and a few franchises that you're allowed to like if they make a lot of money, but most of them, they're popcorn movies. You get to see them once and then forget about them. And then you're not allowed to kind of give them, get, take them seriously. And this is one of those movies that it seems like is, is you're allowed to. And I think by and large, uh, the Marvel, uh the 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 people who are shepherding uh these marvel properties through the the film channel at that organization have done a tremendous job uh mm-hmm. and and even thor uh even, even thor i think they did a uh, they did a, a good job for what that movie was that that's a that's a very difficult comic i think to translate into film it's a different well, difficult story
1: to translate into film i think they did a great job i think they did a lot better with that than captain america personally um i really uh, you know, I've always enjoyed Kenneth Branagh as a director, and honestly, I felt that the as soon as I heard they're bringing him on, I was like, okay, that's actually, it, it took me completely by surprise, but I was like, that's probably the smartest thing they could have done yeah. for a movie about a a Viking god. Right, right. You know, is bring bring this like master of Shakespeare and like that sort of storytelling on to handle it. Yeah. So, yep. are you going to see it in 2D or 3D? That's oh, the big question. 3D. Because it's a conversion.
0: It wasn't <gasps> shot 3D. What? Yeah. Oh, then I'm going to see it in 2D.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I'm not going to waste my money on that. I, didn't, I actually did not know that. Yeah, I did not know that. that. disappoints me.
1: I think that there's, there are actually few and far between movies that actually get shot in 3D. I think yeah. most of them are conversions because it's probably just a cheaper process.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I guess I feel like if there there is a certain what what I think we're seeing with the really good 3D that, and there is such a thing as really good 3D. Mm-hmm. Is that when it is shot in 3D, there is a different intention in the cinematography, and you can feel yeah. it. You can feel like they thought about how they were going to set up every single shot to take advantage of 3D. And movies that weren't shot in 3D, you don't get that. I, I want to go. I need to go back a, a step and talk about Captain America because I had uh, I, I came to a new awareness about Captain America uh, this week. In fact, mm. thanks to Rachel Maddow. Oh,
1: interesting. Okay.
0: (laughs) I have no substantive uh, uh, sort of authority on this, what I'm about to say. Okay. Uh, But I think, and I I actually, I have done no research on it either, so I may be completely wrong. But I just read, uh, this week I read her book, uh, her new book, Drift, right? Mm -hmm. And in Drift, she talks a great deal about the legacy of Ronald Reagan. And about Ronald Reagan, uh, his military history and, and how his military history and his Hollywood history, um, sort of influenced one another. His role in the military was, um, you know, his, his role, he was, he was put into the military to, um, uh, be the guy to rally the troops and go out and make, um, and, and make, you know, uh, movies and be, wait for it, Captain America. Dun, dun, dun. that is ronald reagan i did not know that did you know that 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 was ronald reagan's role in the military
1: i had no idea so
0: this is what i like so much now i like captain america i i liked it a lot i know i liked it more than more than you did when i saw it the first time
1: and <laughs> i i think probably it would be, most it was, of america did
0: probably hard to hard not to but uh i like it even more now because i there is there is even uh, uh there there is a greater cultural sort of relevance to it um uh, as a result of of reading Drift, and and I find that really interesting. It makes me want to go back and and do a little bit more uh, uh, reading on the subject because I think I think that was the cultural connection that I, I'll bet early 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 Reagan either life was imitating art in a pretty significant way. Somebody was reading Captain America and said, "You know what we should do? We should put Reagan in a fancy, fancy suit."
1: Uh, I would love to around. see that. Yeah. Do you think he had one hiding in his White House closet?
0: Wouldn't that be fascinating? That's my new theory, is that Reagan was Captain
1: America, or the other way around. Do you think he wore his Captain America outfit while he was on the phone with Gorbachev? (laughs) At least, (laughs) he at least had the shield. Yeah, At least, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're probably right. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway,
0: all right. So now we were moving on to something else, uh, (laughs) and I I derailed it. I'm sorry about that. (sighs) Oh. What were you talking oh, about? I don't know what
1: we're moving on to. Well, so, You know what happened to me this week? Yeah, that's what I want to hear about more than anything I, else. It, it's been a rough week. Wow. <laughs> it's been a rough week because, and I actually it happened last week, but it's made this week rough. I washed my iPod through um, the laundry mm. in my pocket and destroyed it. And I have had a real figure out how to get what I want to be listening to on my phone. It's been a struggle, so it's kind of put me in this grumpy place. (laughs) And I've been really enjoying um, just like really bad movies.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the bad movies.
1: So we're going to talk about a a few bad movies. One, my wife and I watched this movie the other night, and it was it was really fun. It's a parody film, um, and it actually worked um a good chunk of the time. It kind of fell apart um now and then, but it was actually quite funny. It's called um Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Have yeah. you heard of that no, film?
0: I, I don't know that film.
1: Alan Tudyk from Serenity. I love Alan Tudyk. Yeah, he is in it. He and this other guy whose name is eluding me at the moment are in it playing uh, backcountry hillbillies. And the movie starts with these teenagers who are going to go camp out in the woods. And it totally feels like some teeny bopper horror movie. And you see these creepy hillbillies like watching them and stuff. And, but then, and it's, and that's Alan Tudyk and, and his friend. But then you realize that we're actually following the hillbillies, not these idiot teenagers. And we're seeing the whole movie from the hillbillies perspective about how these these teenagers think that these hillbillies are psychotic killers and trying to kill them and they mistakenly um well one of the teenage girls the you know the the hero girl that one of the hillbillies falls for she falls off a rock into the water while they're all skinny dipping and none of her friends see it and and one of the hillbillies dives in and saves her and then all the friends see them and (laughs) the hillbillies are like hey we got your friend (laughs) and the kids think they're after them and so they all run and they're like why are they running and Uh, It's really it has some really funny parts. It it does kind of fall apart toward the end. But uh, and then all the kids start dying like they they're they're trying to like get their friend back and stuff and just odd things keep happening that make the kids actually like accidentally end up killing themselves. (laughs) (laughs) The hillbillies are like, I know what this is. It's some crazy suicide pact. They come out here in the woods, (laughs) kill kill themselves. (laughs) Oh, it's it's a riot. Um, it Like I said, it does get a little um, not so good toward the end. But on the whole, I think it was a very fun thing to watch when you're especially when you're in a grumpy mood like I was. Well, I
0: don't know which is more entertaining: thinking about the movie or listening to you talk about it. Because it's, <laughs> it's you're like a puppy, and then I know. and then, and you should I know, then, it, <laughs> killing it, themselves.
1: <laughs> uh, I know it makes me it makes me feel like I'm you know a little a little uh, preteen watching these movies again. So I love it. Ty- Tyler Labine, he's the uh, the other hillbilly. Um, he's one of those faces that you recognize. He was in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. He was the. Um, the scientist who accidentally like gets himself infected and runs out and he's kind of a little more heavy set, big mm, beard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was one of the bad movies. All right. Um, there, were, there was another there was one more. There's, there were three. Oh, <laughs> bring up. All right. and I'll try to keep these other ones short because right. we don't, we don't have all night to talk about bad movies as much as we'd like it. to, <laughs> as much as we'd like to. Um, there's this really obscure movie from actually the same year as Field of Dreams, oddly. I'd be nineteen eighty nine. I just Yes,
0: nineteen eighty nine. Yeah.
1: And I remember seeing this in the video store and I never watched it when I was young. And it wasn't until recently that somebody quoted it and they said it was one of the funniest movies and has some just wacky lines. And so I found it and it's actually not available um, except on YouTube because or, or VHS. <laughs> Because apparently the, um, the actual film at the Universal lot burned up and there's no way they can transfer it to anything better than VHS. And so the, the wow. creators of this film, just like, you know what, we'll just leave it, not bother. It's called, well, a couple things. It's either called Big Man on Campus or The Hunchback of UCLA. One of those two things. I want to say that. Oh, I know
0: that movie, but I don't know that movie.
1: <laughs> it's so goofy, and I I started watching it, and I've I've only actually made it through like half of it because it really isn't that good of a movie. <laughs> But it's got some really funny lines. And it really is like this crazy hunchback who lives in the bell tower on the UCLA campus. And he falls for this girl and just all this wacky stuff. And he decides, like there's this part where this hunchback decides to, they they ask him, Tom Skerritt plays the campus psychologist and is helping this guy and says he needs to come up with a name. And so he decides to call himself, and I'm probably going to say it wrong, but it's something like, Bob ma, what is it Bob ma, Maluga Luga 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 or something like
0: that, that Yeah okay that's uh, Alan it's, Katz
1: Yes please yeah, Bob Maluga Luga, luga, luga. Yeah, yeah Maluga luga, luga it's it's one Maluga five Lugas is how he defines it in the, yeah Anyway this that, was the uh,
0: let's just let's just say this was the only movie That Alan Katz was an actor in. He then went on to produce such hit titles as Rhoda, MASH, uh, Charlie and Company, Roseanne, Scorch, and Blossom. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, you know,
1: there's that. It it just goes to show you, you can somehow find your way. (laughs) You can resuscitate (laughs) any career, people. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Any career, but,
1: but really, if if you are in the mood to watch just a really bad eighties movie that actually has some oddly funny moments, you know, check out Big Man on Campus. Somebody actually found a VHS coffee copy, copy, and they put it on the entire film on YouTube, That's so you can fantastic. you can just sit there and watch the whole film.
0: uh Cindy, uh, Cindy Williams, Shirley yes. was it? Was she Laverne or Shirley?
1: She's, she was. um I don't know Shirley. She was Shirley. I I'm going to say she was Shirley. I think yes. So last movie, and this is a weird cult film that actually our buddy Chad Stoops um, uh, was in. pointed out to me. He was not in it. <laughs> it's called The Room. And it's this strange, strange movie that was made, I don't know when, sometime in the last 10 years. I think it was around 2002. And it's this this horrible foreign actor who, and honestly, this one is so worth going to YouTube and typing in, like, The Room and just watching some of the clips of it because it's so bad. I've never seen anything so bad in su- in a way where it's actually hilarious. Like, it's, it's almost as if they're doing everything bad on purpose to make it funny. Wow. The green screen work is bad. I, I mean, this guy, his name is Tommy Wiseau. Wiseau, I don't know how you say his name, but... He's this he looks like this european actor with just long curly black greasy hair who's the lead in this and it's uh it's so worth watching some of these clips of this movie The Room on youtube and oddly enough it is like turning into a strange rocky horror picture show like cult phenomenon that's actually making a ton of money in la now wow. because they'll do all these midnight screenings at these obscure theaters people will line up around the block to go see this movie and they will quote it and they will just drink and crack up and it's like this phenomenon
0: I have never heard of this one either but what I like the most about it is the people who liked this also liked list on IMDb mm-hmm. uh because you get such hits as bulletproof with Gary Busey Nap- <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite and wait for it birdemic shock and terror a platoon of eagle and vultures attack the residents of a small town many people died that's the that's I... the, that's the clip
1: I have a whole new list of bad movies that I can watch this week. <laughs> God, you
0: totally do. Oh, that's oh, fantastic.
1: Oh. I'm adding this one to my list for sure. Oh, yeah. Just okay, so just a, a
0: review. We've got The Room. Uh, what were the other ones that we t- already just talked about? I've
1: already forgotten them. Big Man on Campus. B-M-O-C. And what was the third one? The third one was you forgot Tucker it. and Dale versus Evil. Oh, yeah. Alan Tudyk. Dale versus evil yep okay. that one it's it's not bad but it's it, that one's actually just more funny because of what they're trying to do but yeah
0: no, it's, a, yeah. it's a, yeah it's a good con- it's a concept film
1: yeah all right yeah. it's a fun parody
0: i like it that's hysterical i'm in mm-hmm. i'm in for two of the three of those <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious which two <clears throat> you'll know next week that's right <laughs> all right can we ta- can uh, we just do a quick uh, a quick recap of last week well, first of all, this, okay. is, the, this is the end yes. of our uh, baseball extravaganza. We've done four movies. This will be the fourth movie, mm. uh, baseball film, right? Yes. Uh, the first one was...
1: Um, uh, natural. The
0: Natural, which was terrific. Uh, the second one was Major League, uh, which was uh, uh, also we like very much. The third one was um, <laughs> uh, was just as Bull Durham. And I had some problems with Bull Durham. I, in, in general, I like this movie, but, but this is the, uh, this is the comment that we got from our, our uh, friend of the show, Steve Sarmento on Google Plus. You can see this in, in easy. this week, instead of laughing, says Steve, <laughs> I, I was yelling. Let me say that again. This week, instead of laughing, I was yelling, and then he goes on to say, Pete Wright. You make me so angry, and I happen to know because he's he's not been shy about telling us this. He listens to this show while he's doing yard work, and I find that like horrific to think that I caused this sort of emotion to come out of this guy while he's doing he could cause a horrendous accident at, at with <coughs> garden tools because of this rage at me, and I feel terrible about that. <laughs> i i will say to to that his his comment is goes on with some substance quote maybe it's because i was a fan of kevin costner because he was coming off the untouchables and no way out uh, absolutely give him that that t- love the untouchables one of my top top movies uh mm-hmm. he continues maybe because when i saw this in the theater i was in the transition from high school to college and figuring out what kind of man i was going to be and if you had to choose between crash and nuke uh obviously the characters in in the film i i think the choice is pretty clear the performances didn't bother me because the writing was so strong and i uh i agree (laughs) wow with with all of that except (laughs) that last point unfortunately the performances did bother me but everything else i'm i'm with you on on everything else and so i i was forced to stand by my uh my call that that kevin costner does in fact play the role of a two by four in this movie uh but the untouchables was terrific and uh this movie came out it's you know you develop that sort of emotional uh connection to to uh to films and to these roles when you see them and i i think you know the same i i feel the same way about raiders of the lost ark you know uh and we we talked about that that connection that i have that that movie represents the connection i have to my father and that was that mm-hmm. was a very important movie i think that's the sort of uh um kind of emotional connection we get with these movies and uh and i, I just thought that was a really good point and i i apologize to steve for for causing such uh, uh well such a a,
1: a fit of pique he's he's ruined his rose bush now it's
0: it's <laughs> so like dude, pull out, You can't even go to his house anymore. The branches are like hanging off of <laughs> he just, trees. He just it, destroyed it, it just destroyed his yard. And uh, I, maybe this week we'll get him to TP and spray paint his
1: own house. I he, know he's right. probably like running around his yard like Leatherface at the end of Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre, just swinging the chainsaw in every direction, like hacking it all up. <laughs> I, uh, this was, uh, this was, it was probably the best comment we've ever gotten on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I did get, I I did get an email actually just today from somebody who said, yeah, from Dan Hitchman, actually from, uh, from long ago. He Mm. said, yeah, I'd have to kind of side with Pete on the subject of Kevin Costner and his somewhat wooden style. So, though I think it depends a lot on the script and the and if he gets a good director who can work within his limitations. Costner, Costner's a bit, bit sporadic, so you know you got someone on your side.
0: I uh, and and no better person to have on my side than the good Dan Hitchman. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's that's fantastic to to share. Um, but you know that brings us in by by way of segue to this week's movie, the fourth and final in our baseball extravaganza, Field of Dreams. Huzzah! I'll bet you're wondering what I'm going to say about this movie.
1: Uh, yeah, do you well, care? Uh, do you care? Actually, because I make an assumption that you care. I about have what my I, think. I have my theory as to what you're going to say about okay. this movie. All right. Do you want, do you want me to yeah, theorize? No, share, yeah,
0: go ahead and say. Go. Where do you What do you think I'm going to say about this movie?
1: I actually think that you really like this movie, and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, with the director and sneakers and your father and <laughs> case, maybe. <laughs> Well, hell, you got most of it right. <laughs>
0: I was kind of hoping to stump you. You know, okay. So, do you want to go first? I feel like I
1: always go first. Why don't I'll, you go first? Okay, I'll go first. I love this movie. I love, love, <laughs> love this movie. And this movie, I cannot watch without just without crying. It just, you know, I'm I'm admitting it. But I like as soon as the whole hot dog scene starts. Actually, before the hot dog scene starts, it starts with Terrence Mann's speech. Uh, from that scene on, I just, I can't control myself. I, <laughs> I, I'm i like a weepy 60-year-old woman watching a Hallmark <laughs> commercial. I, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> oh, so, so there you go.
0: <laughs> I just want to, I, I just want to let that, let that
1: image float. Just In the air out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's Andy There's Andy watching a Lifetime movie again
1: It doesn't even need to be a movie It's just the commercial <laughs> Just the Hallmark commercial Oh oh, she came home for the holidays Peter <laughs> It's Folgers right
0: <laughs> It's Peter <laughs> I smell coffee <laughs> And Christmas uh. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Okay. All right. I, uh, I, okay. I did not remember just how much I liked this movie. Yeah. I did not remember that. There was so much about this movie that I had just plumb forgotten. Uh, and I, I really liked it. Um, I was not, uh, this is not a movie that made a mess of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I can see how you might. And I think uh, the Terrence Mann speech, uh, uh, you're talking about right before he uh, uh, when he says you got to you got you to. Gotta...
1: Oh, it's the whole. Speech. Yeah, it's pretty much the whole once thing. Once he
0: starts. <laughs> yeah, no, he starts talking. You know, it's so hopeful. It says he backs up. He's backing up into the field with the. Yeah, I mean, that's just it's come, just Ray. stunning. Oh, you can't yeah. sell the farm, Ray. Yeah. Uh, no, that was, it was, t- it is terrific. I, here's, let me tell you what I love about this movie. And that's, we, this is where we're going to get into it. All right. If you walk into this movie thinking, gosh, Field of Dreams is, it's an, it's, it's going to be a great baseball movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you may, you, you miss a lot of it. Yeah. Because I think this is a movie that that is uh it, it, I don't know if genre busting is is the way to to do. I mean, it is a full-on fantasy film.
1: It is. And it, on, I mean, AFI actually has it ranked on their top 10 fantasy films.
0: And and I think that's important and and this is why because this is a movie that like the the strict fantasy genre, it is a movie that exists in a universe all of its own and it right. is a universe that has its own unique rule set and those rules uh, are set up early on and while it's a universe that mirrors ours they make no uh, uh, like no bones about it this is a universe that is not uh, that is not ours and i feel like i enjoyed the movie that much more when i was able to let go of the fact that that this is not something that's going to um, that that i necessarily need to be tied to uh, you know a strict earthbound rule set and and i think it starts from the blurb like the blurb on imdb is terrific and this is i want to read it because if you think of this as a baseball mo- movie hopefully this will this will dissuade you a, a little bit uh from imdb an iowa corn farmer hearing voices interprets them as a command to build a baseball diamond in his fields he does and the chicago black Sox come mm-hmm. You say, "Uh huh,"
1: but w- really, does that sound like a movie you would ever want to see? It sounds it, it sounds really weird. The way that he that that's that's written is kind of strange. I I wouldn't I wouldn't think that that's a good pitch for the story. No, it's because it, it's it, a
0: it's a Noah's Ark story. That's what it is. I mean, it's a Noah's Ark story for dead baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> That's, do you know what that would what a be a metaphor. better that would be a better pitch for this movie that would that's how they you where need to was i on in 1989 this is a noah's ark story for dead baseball players <laughs> and i say that with the greatest respect because i love this movie and i think so here's here's why i love this movie because uh so the opening montage Right. There's mm-hmm. this montage where you where you hear Kevin Costner and he's talking about backstory, but you don't actually see him speak uh until after he hears the voices. And that's this is one of those things that I had forgotten. The voice is the first um uh, post
1: credit roll voice that you hear in this film. There is no setup. Right. Right. Yeah, it it literally does start the film. That's not the inciting incident of the film. That's not, you know, the the turning point from Act 1 to Act 2. I mean, that literally is the first thing that happens in the film that pushes us into the rest of the story. Yes,
0: yes. And I thought structurally, that's so ballsy. It is. is It was actually a
1: really interesting idea.
0: Uh, Okay, so tell me why
1: because normally that's the sort of moment that you know the the way a film typically gets set up is you've got the first piece of the film is the setup of the the regular world that your hero your protagonist lives in so that we can get a sense of what their world is and then about 15 minutes into the film or so you have something that's called the inciting incident and that is the thing that happens that pushes your hero into this story and all of a sudden now they're thrust into what's going on. A good example is Toy Story. You've got the you know, the first 15 minutes of the film is the setup of the world of the toys and they're all kind of dealing, we, we get a sense of what this world is and the fact that they have to pay attention to things like what is Andy's, what is he gonna get at his birthday party and, and is it going to replace any of us? And Woody, we learn about Woody and his role. Fifteen minutes into the film, the inciting incident happens, and that is the arrival of Buzz Lightyear. And all of a sudden, it pushes things in a different direction in the story, and it now we have our story. What they're doing in this film is taking what typically would be the inciting incident. We don't really learn a lot of the story of, of Ray Kinsella and his life. We have that little one-minute voice over at the beginning about his father. But then we're into this story of voices in the ball, ball field or in the cornfield, right? Really shifts the way that the story is structured, making it where that is part of just the regular world that he's in. You know, we're in this world where voices talk from the cornfield and it really becomes a story not about what are these voices, but it becomes a story about what is he going to do about this voice?
0: Well, and that is... Uh, I... I think that's one of those things that, that, that really, uh, is why this is, is genre busting because it is the fact that we are hearing the voices. As you say, it's something you normally would see as the inciting incident in this, in the script. Instead, the voice defines the universe that yeah. we're in. And that's what sets it up as a fantasy. And that's why you, you learn this. And in fact, the inciting incident really doesn't come until after the, um, you know uh, after the field is built and in fact the, like clockwork the field is finished at 15 minutes or 16 minutes and 6 mm-hmm. seconds i mean it's like it's like right there and and then we get into it, it's funny it's like a whole there's a whole movie that happens in the first 20 minutes of this movie where we set up the rules of the universe we hear the voices he builds the thing and then he uh, there there is a, like a mini act 3 where they're about to lose everything mm-hmm. and that's when his daughter says there's a man in your yard
1: yeah i i think that yeah I, I, the the appearance of Shoeless joe really is the inciting incident exactly. of the film because yeah. that's all of a sudden thrusting us into further into this world cuz he he heard the voices and he built it so he he followed through on an action not knowing where it was going to take him boom all of a sudden there's a a ghost in his in his yard
0: mm-hmm. so uh yeah, I, I'm. I, I sort of. I, I'm interested in your take on this because I'm. I feel like uh, it is really counterintuitive to build the film this way, and and I think, uh, you know, Phil Alden uh, Robinson, who wrote and and directed the movie, um, you know, took a took a big risk in in doing this and putting this sort of rushed act one, uh, that that feels like a compressed film that you you know. Um, into it to to really just set up the rules of this of of where we are and then get into a movie that we didn't know we were really watching. Does that make sense?
1: Well yeah it does make sense. And I, I think the reason that it um that he and, and I haven't read the uh, I don't know have you by WP Kinsella. I haven't Shoeless not read Joe. That. Did yeah, you read that? I, no I have not read that. So I I'm curious how I'm curious how the book is structured, if it's similar to this or not, but I think I mean exactly like we just said, it it, it really does create a unique structure and what it does is it makes it feel like it's not it's it's something we haven't seen before and that's why i think it it feels exciting when we're watching it because we're right from the start we're in this world where voices talk from cornfields and it it puts a twist on a story and it makes us step back and go wait a minute maybe i haven't seen this before because because if you move that inciting incident and the inciting incident the whole first act is is you know ray and annie learning about life on the farm and they're kind of getting things going and they're struggling to make the corn grow and then the inciting incident is all of a sudden he hears this voice you know i mean it still works but it also just creates this different feel for the film and then we're not um i mean it still could work it's just it's not necessarily pushing us in the same direction so the way that they did it this way um I think what it's doing is it's 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 making um the presence of the person more important, and then the answer about who that person is and why he came uh more important and that builds to that ending moment when he learns who it was that's coming
0: it's a f it's a fascinating bit because there's this once you get through that um you know that that the first meeting with shoeless Joe and he goes on his on his hero's journey right. Mm-hmm. He he takes it on faith. I, I'm, I'm watching this movie with my wife last night, and we're and and we both sort of shared this this look about halfway through, saying kind of why why are we invested in the decisions this character is making?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I found that really interesting because um, we were invested. I mean, there's no doubt we were invested in in the decisions he was making, but we couldn't we couldn't define why we cared clearly. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that you I, I'm, I I have trouble writing it off as sort of screen magic because typically when uh, you know when you get invested into a character it's because you have this understanding of backstory that is clear and you have an understanding of this point of pain that they are looking to resolve through this this epic journey and in this case you don't really feel that way they're struggling for money who isn't. Uh, in uh, in agriculture which is a troubling field to be in uh, particularly at this point in history as the economy was you know changing pretty dramatically and here we are like f- trying to figure out why we w- that that we are now suddenly invested in the decisions he's making based on faith alone it's like this invisible lasso that that robinson has just sort of wrapped around our necks and has drug us along and we didn't even see that we were we were into it uh in the first 15 minutes we're thinking why would this guy do this and suddenly by the time he hits the apartment and and meets james earl jones man we are in Mm -hmm. and i'm and and i think my my sort of hypothesis is is really built on a the strength of um you know the strength of the script which is just you know it's as efficient as they come. You know we talked about the efficiency of language in the natural and and how sparse of a screenplay it is, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think this is another one that sort of fits that mold. It is an extremely sparse screenplay, and when the monologues come, uh, it makes them so much more uh, powerful. And I mean like archetypically powerful. Yeah. Um, and so when he hits that apartment, and you you see that that it's almost comical, but uh, sort of um uh, mono a mano struggle to to come to this new center of understanding between these two guys. That's a point a major point of transition where you feel like, okay, I'm I'm invested. I may not know why. I don't understand what this journey is all about for this guy, but I'm totally in.
1: Well and part of that, I think there's two things. Um one is because he himself doesn't fully understand it and and we buy into him not understanding it but having that need to see it through and i think the reason that we buy into that is from a conversation that happens early in the film in that in that first sequence there where he is in bed with his wife and they're having a conversation and he's he's talking about his father and he says i'm 36 years old i have a wife a child and a mortgage and i'm scared to death i'm turning into my father and he has this conversation about you know we learn about his father in the beginning and how his father had kind of played ball and stuff but he never really knew his father and it's not um cluing us in so much that um as to how the film is going to end like i i I was so completely surprised when I first saw this as to what how it was going to end. I never saw that coming that his father would be there. But I think what it's setting up is this fear that, you know, it's it's a it's a midlife crisis. People have this fear where they're turning into their father, they're not accomplishing anything that they dreamed about when they were young. They're no longer taking risks. They're kind of settling into into this life that they're not you know, it's not necessarily the life that they intended to be living and he is scared to death but he's he finally decides you know what i know it's stupid but i am going to follow through with this and i think that that's why i invest in him and that's why i go along for that journey cuz he doesn't understand why but he has to see it through
0: well and that gets to the to the point i think where maybe um you know at least my wife and i i don't i don't think we ever really came to center on on why the movie was was powerful to to us to me this is an and we've talked about these kinds of stories before but to me this is a story that that um that captures the sort of emotional intensity of uh what happens when you become a grown up but then you become a man you know what i mean like that yeah. there is that sort of um you know what an what an adult male is yeah. until you become a man, and there's a trigger point when that happens and for some people it's when they get married for some people it's when they see the sort of the birth of their first child i mean there 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 is that that transformation—if you've hit it, you you totally know. It's like I'm—I can't go back to what I was anymore. I know that I've hit this turning point in my life, where I can't go back anymore, and I I have to move on through the fear and through the you know whatever it is. And for this guy, you know, he hit a, a trigger point, and maybe it was about sort of finances, and maybe it was about you know whatever. Maybe it was just that he it totally uh, got himself upside down in a farm, and he wasn't a farmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe you know, that was the point
1: of the montage. Well, I don't think they were upside down on the farm and before he, before until he, he sort of decided to plow down all right. of his corn. And so, he had I mean, beautiful he corn. A oh, he, know, the, the fields
0: was gorgeous. It was, a, I, I love it at sunset. I, yeah. So I, you know, I, but, but whatever it is that, that's the feeling that I get. Like, that's what I, what I feel like I get to watch Costner mm-hmm. do is become the guy that he wants to be tomorrow
1: yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, he and his wife were, you know, 60s radical hippies from Berkeley and they grew up and and they tried being grown-ups like you said, but they were they weren't, you know, he hadn't become a man yet. And even buying the farm, you know, they they kind of did that on a whim. Um but uh, you know, I guess almost thinking like it was going to be what, you know, the thing that would make him a man or something, but it really took a little more and i think that this story is that transition where mm-hmm. he finally does become a man and it's it's powerful stuff
0: it's really powerful stuff so uh let's talk about some uh, some background do you first of all here's a question for you i could not find who is the voice
1: you know i knew that and i want to say it's kevin costner but I can't remember if I'm right about that. You know what's interesting about the voice is, and this I love little things like this because it feels so kind of old, old school filmmaking. Mm-hmm. The guy who recorded the voice, um, the, the audio guy on the film, um, he recorded the person saying it and then what he did is he took it into a canyon with huge speakers and he he played these speakers playing that voice in the canyon and then he re-recorded it with that echo and that that kind of you mm. know booming hollow sound as it kind of floats around and and used that as the voice when we hear it in the cornfield so it creates this just wild wide echoing voice that's just it's just a great sound to it
0: that's very cool yeah. Oh, that's very cool. That I mean it takes me back to the, you know, uh it, what was it the hitting the um the high tension wires that hold up poles to get the laser sound blasts in Star Wars. Mm. Yeah. I mean that's just, you know, those fully sound artists are amazing.
1: Yeah. The stuff that they do is is pretty stunning and I love I love all those little things like in Terminator 2 I think when the oh. truck is running into them as as you hear it charging up they in they added the sound of a lion's roaring roar. i know that's you know, It's just like all that stuff all that stuff is great so
0: well let's talk a little bit about uh phil alden robinson and man did you nail it i i <laughs> I, I this is and, and it's so funny i have not seen a lot of this guy's stuff and it makes me think I, why have i because it you know
1: well he's only directed seven films
0: i i know and and but i have only seen three of them well no i take that back uh let me look at the director so so no i've seen them i've actually seen more than that so i have not seen the george burns comedy week i have not seen in the mood but field of dreams was terrific obviously that was uh, one of the early ones then sneakers which was is way at the top of my list uh it's very crowded at the top of my list, but I I (laughs) love sneakers. Uh, He directed the, uh, I I would say probably the best episode of Band of Brothers, uh, the Currahee episode, uh, which was, I I mean, Band of Brothers was an incredibly moving uh, experience for me. It was. It was very powerful. And that was, that was certainly one of the top and, and some of all fears, which was, you know, it was not, not terrible. I like the Morgan.
1: I like yeah. Morgan Freeman, you know, yeah. I mean, Morgan it wasn't,
0: and and yeah, you know, the there's a, there's a thing. So Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon are in this movie, uh, Field of Dreams. What? Yeah.
1: Did you know really? that? Did you know no. that big shot? I didn't
0: know. Huh? Yeah. Uh, how's that? I sort of pulled one over on you a little
1: bit. Who are they? Are they in one of the cars coming up at the end? <laughs> Yeah, that's they an are. interesting little bit of trivia. They're, base,
0: they're baseball fans at Fenway.
1: Uh of course. Yeah. Interesting. Uncredited. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. You know. Nineteen eighty nine, who were they? that were snot nosed kids. Nothing.
1: That was probably before uh Goodwill. that uh well it was definitely before Goodwill. It was the one with uh Brendan Fraser they were in, the school uh something? Yeah.
0: I'm um, going I have to go. Well, anyway, so we were Foul, talking about Phil Elmer who you were absolutely right. I mean, that's uh, I re I, I found that the uh, we've already talked about sort of the the just artistry of the script, uh, and the the structure of the script. I think was was um, really clever, uh, and and um, so I think I, he was just a very talented writer, and the the direction of the film I thought was very powerful as well. So you know, what's not to like about this guy? Um, I don't know your
1: thoughts he's you know he's uh, a writer director he's done quite a bit of of um, he had like i said he hasn't directed a lot of things he's written a lot more things and um uh you know i i like him he's he's somebody who um is he hasn't done a ton of stuff especially recently although it looks like he's working on a sinatra i'll let you guess what that's about um But, uh, you know, he's he's done some good stuff. He wrote all of me, which I always thought was a funny movie back back in the day. Totally agree. So, um, you know, it's uh, I I don't know a lot about him, but I I like I generally like the feel of his stuff. It's just it. It feels like just good Hollywood films.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, pretty authentic uh, material. You know, I feel like it's uh, a it's very much a personality material.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Uh so uh, what are there other highlights of the production that you you that really stick out to you?
1: Well, I mean, they did actually film this in Iowa, except for obviously Fenway Park and that. Um they they shot it in Iowa. They they used this house. They uh they made this this cornfield. And I think what's interesting, what I thought this, is that because of the book and then because of the movie, the owner of this property um and I had his name here, and now I lost it. It's Don. Donnie and Becky Lansing own this property. They kept the field as the Field of Dreams uh, movie site, and they have it open to the public um, from April through November, and you can go be, and you can just toss a ball around and and have a game and all that stuff. And I think it is so fascinating, and I guess they make their money off the, con- the uh, concessions and gift store, uh, but I think it's amazing that these people, like, continued this from the time the movie happened and kind of in honor of the book, but also just in honor of kind of the magic that it created, that they actually keep this there as a free thing for people to go and just have kind of a magical moment, that real authentic connection with America and baseball. I think it's amazing. Man, that's really awesome. That's
0: a, What a great homage to uh, to – to not just a movie but the entire you know sort of what the movie represents to a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Uh it's true. It's I mean it's it's a great thing that they did and I I I actually would love to go see it one day. I think that'd be fun. You should you should totally do that. I'm gonna Uh
0: so uh John Lindley is the uh, director of uh, cinematography for this film? Mhm. Um uh, yeah, man there's a uh... Have we done anything that he's done yeah we, we our haven't done, show. not on our show he's done um well, if we've talked about it and he hasn't done it, then let's it's safe to say he's done pretty much everything else
1: he's a very busy man a very
0: he? busy man uh I, you know I was trying to figure out if he was if he pretty much just does Kevin Costner movies, but it looks like Kevin Costner and Tom Hanks are are, um, and of course, Pan Am, the TV series. Short, <laughs> I I think the short-lived Pan Am TV series. He's been around. He's been around a long time.
1: He's he has done quite a bit. I think he's only done one Tom Hanks movie that I see. Yeah, seen. you've got Mail. I think that's it. So yeah. Um. But, uh, so uh.
0: But yeah. But uh, so but he, he he did a. This was a. This was kind of a standout uh film. He's done a lot of. Uh. He's done a lot of sort of the. Love story type films looks mm-hmm. like. Although he was a DP for Sneakers as well.
1: Yeah, uh, he, I mean, he's he and Phil Alden Robinson go. Oh, they back go way and ways back. From, it looks from like from '87 all the way until uh, you know some of all fears, and he very well could end up on the Sinatra movie too. So what mm-hmm. he did uh, do one of my
0: one of my all time favorite um, uh, West Craven films,
1: mm-hmm. uh, Serpent in the Rainbow creepy oh
0: i feel like we're gonna need to have that one on the list
1: we should we need a halloween series that is just a creepy movie
0: (laughs) very difficult to watch that paul winfield is uh oh he goes dark
1: boy does he ever
0: uh anyway so so uh I got lost in that movie. Uh, So back to John Lindley. He did uh, any anything that stands out to you from a from a cinematography standpoint that that uh, that you feel like is worth talking.
1: You know, it's just it's it's a lot of um, a lot of this felt like it was shot at the at the golden hour, which is really not an hour. It's probably about like 15, 20 minutes just um, as the sun set or rising and you just have that nice glow. Uh, It's really hard to shoot that because it's such a short time but um they sure got some great looks with it i thought and just the the corn all that stuff um and uh and then the um shooting with the lights i think is is always a challenge those great big baseball field lights it's it's such a lot of light and you know i do remember um well one thing they're probably shooting a lot at night when they do that or overnight and I I did hear them talking about just the vast quantity of insects that those lights were drawing. Oh, that's so, got to be terrible. It's always I something didn't even to think deal about with that. when you're shooting at night. Yeah, just so especially bugs. in a cornfield. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I can only imagine the uh, the mess that those things made. So, Oh, that's amazing.
0: Uh, well, it is. And, you know, I, I sort of go back and forth thinking about uh, from a the perspective of cinematography This, you know, is this, is it a blessing or a curse to find out you're shooting in a cornfield? Uh, because the, the bar is pretty high. Uh, there are some terrific cornfield movies, you know, like you have this expectation of absolute beauty. Uh, and, and, uh, and just sort of, th- this is the, the amber waves of grain kind of a a feeling uh and uh, you know i think it's i think you're right i think this movie really captures that the the essence of what it means to to be in the middle of this in the in the middle
1: of this sort of uh endless field can i get some of your list of great cornfield movies <laughs> i'm going to i will actually
0: document the cornfield movies but you know i i'm actually now i <laughs> all now i can think of I... is
1: children of the corn that's <laughs> like the only thing i can think of that and signs it it's it... <laughs> <laughs> which I'm but sure see, those other... happened after and that's what that's what
0: i that's what i mean like just as i said that i'm thinking about uh movies that that i where i really feel like they they got corn and <laughs> and now i say it out loud but because i have such a this vision of the corn movies but uh you know i think uh superman returns uh did a great job with corn of course that happened so long after uh field of dreams that it's not fair to say that, so all the movies that I'm thinking of uh are it came after the movie, so i you know actually he probably now had it really easy, so he's just he was just phoning <laughs> he, it in
1: he, he's the one who set the he's bar. the
0: one who actually set the bar high
1: <laughs> exactly, and
0: maybe it wasn't even that high, maybe he just showed up john why do i even i don't even care
1: <laughs> anymore <sighs> oh man, that's great, so uh, oh my. Well this film did get uh, yeah. a few Oscar nominations best picture which was great for uh um Lawrence and Charles Gordon who produced it mm-hmm. best adapted screenplay by uh, for by um Phil Alden Robinson and uh, best original score by good old James Horner great music in this one
0: Here's another busy guy uh the movie did you ever did you find a budget on this movie
1: He's he's a busy guy but he he's busy because he uh he doesn't seem that busy because half of his scores feel like he's just copying himself. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I have heard tale that uh, John Williams and James Horner actually have a significant sketch writing staff and yeah. that much of what they do is is actually done by the hands of
1: their able elf and assistants. Well, and I think that happens a lot yeah. in, in the world of composing. Hans Zimmer, you know, he's notorious for his... His um what's it called? The remote control. Group, yeah. You know, the the whole thing with <laughs> that just cranks out all sorts yeah. of composers who do lots of bad work. <laughs> yeah. Some do good work. I shouldn't say they all do bad work. There's some who do good work. Okay. But anyway. So, but did you um,
0: find a budget on this film?
1: You know, I couldn't find a budget.
0: I thought um, you had the backdoor locker, the secret I'm in the industry
1: locker on the web that that we don't have the budget listed on it. It they made, only have it the box some... office, which is sixty-four, about sixty-four point five million dollars domestically.
0: Huh. That uh, you know, I uh, that doesn't doesn't seem like as much as I would have thought. No, I guess in nineteen eighty-nine, I I have to in nineteen ninety-nine dollars. Yeah. I guess that's good. Yeah. All this
1: right. this came out. It was released April twenty-first, nineteen eighty-nine. This this was released um, only a, a, a two weeks after Major League.
0: Yeah, you know, uh... and Major
1: Major League's budget was eleven million. I'm guessing that this is probably somewhere in that range, maybe a little under. Hmm. That's just a guess. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah.
0: Uh, this, uh, let's see. Uh, the one other thing, crazy written by Willie Nelson. Uh, this one of the songs in this film was performed by Beverly D'Angelo.
1: I know. Isn't that trippy?
0: (laughs) That, that may be the weirdest thing that I learned about this
1: movie. Yeah. Besides the thing with the bugs. Yeah. The bugs. There you go. It's it's hard to pick which one is between Beverly D'Angelo. I didn't know she was, I
0: just, i thought she was a, just the lampoons thing family All vacation we
1: were wondering where is she
0: where is she turns nelson out songs. she's singing willie nelson songs mm. uh so in general uh, uh this is a ter- it's a terrific film and i so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this out loud um i i liked costner in this movie there you go i did this is one of the movies I, de- I really liked costner in this movie i thought he he captured the sort of uh, bumbling transition from boy to man that I thought was, uh, was really, I thought it was really good. And maybe it was, um, affected in some part, uh, by, uh, you know, being on screen with Amy Madigan and James Earl Jones and Ray Liotta and, and Burt Lancaster in, in his last film. Uh, maybe all of those things kind of came together and it, it ended up making this sort of magical, um, uh, event for for uh, for Costner but I thought he did a terrific job in this movie and I I really um I it, it, the role meant meant something to me yeah it meant something to me in every way that his role in that last piece of crap didn't uh,
1: oh, <laughs> hey, hey whoa <laughs> zing wow you had to go there didn't you yeah I did I just I, I said too. that I said that so oh. This is called movies we like, people I know. And
0: I, I, well, I like that one.
1: It's not actors we like. Oh no! Oh, you oh, just no. said you called
0: it a piece of crap. No, and I I like that. That was hyperbole. Oh, that oh. was hyperbole because I actually did like that movie. Um. So uh, what? What about you? Are you wrap it up? Take us take us home. You started it. Now you got to end it.
1: Oh wow. This this is a, a random bit of trivia about this this movie, because it inspired this baseball field to be there. It has now inspired a group of people to dress up like like the um, Black Sox players. I'm sorry, the White Sox players. No, they were the Black Sox. <laughs> the, the they Black were the, Sox. the, the Black Sox. The, Sox. the eight. They were the know, eight. Yeah. They they dress up like the players. Actually, I think it's more than just the blacks. I think they actually portray the whole team. These guys now come out to this field dressed like the White Sox from 1919, and they play baseball. And somebody actually made a documentary about these guys called Ghost Players uh, Relive the Magic. It's a magical, award-winning documentary about a baseball team grown on the original Field of Dreams that then traveled the world.
0: So. Well, that's fascinating because you're, I'm not quite sure which, what they're reliving. Are they reliving the movie Field of Dreams or are they reliving the the chicago eight with the white Sox and
1: the, i don't know i it's, don't know what they're it's, doing. it's like the uh the civil war guys except they picked a, a totally different bit of history to <laughs> to jump back to
0: that's exactly right
1: i wonder if in a hundred years there will be people like jumping back in time or dressing up and portraying us doing a podcast we should be so lucky oh uh, are you kidding Oh my goodness.
0: That's fantastic. I'm going to start wearing a sword and I'm going to do it for a hundred year from now, future Pete. That would be awesome. I want to make sure that anybody who plays me knows that
1: it's appropriate to carry a sword. That's right. That's right. Uh, So, so I'm going to, I'm going to end this because this is the end of our baseball series. Yep. So I'm going to end it with Terrence Mann's last little bit of his line here. Which, you know, we actually have already discussed a little bit um, because Billy Crystal did it so well on on the Academy Awards this year. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that was once good and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come, and it's good
0: stuff. That's really good stuff. It's really good stuff.
1: I don't have the James Earl Jones voice to do that, but <laughs> baseball, <laughs> baseball. I don't either.
0: Yeah. I uh, and so that does it. That ends our baseball extravaganza, and now we are moving on. And this is really what we, we've been filling, and I think we did it. An- <laughs> We did it ably. I mean, let's be fair. I think we did a fine job. I think the baseball was fine, and then the shows before that, they were all fine. But really, we've been filling to get to this point. Today, the line must be drawn here. <laughs> I'm going to pull it's, out this Star Trek reference for no reason. <laughs> it's it's titillating. Can I say that <laughs> on air? It's titillating. It's titillating. Uh, and so we begin our aliens trilogy and we did this or trilogy our aliens extravaganza the alien extravaganza say it Mm -hmm. right be and and it begins next week because if you calculate it out go ahead get out your calendars we're gonna do next week we're gonna do alien then we're gonna do aliens the week after then we're gonna do alien three
1: and then which which also is completing our david fincher
0: Yes, and that was Benjamin Button. That'll the Benjamin (laughs) Button, David Fincher fest. So we we that was intentionally left out. Some people may have noticed that we we did not actually do that one. We are going to catch up there, Uh, and then uh, Resurrection, Mm -hmm. and then all of this leads to the worldwide release of Prometheus, and we will be doing that in five weeks' time which Yeehaw. we are really i don't know if you know this about us but we're really <laughs> excited about that movie so so we, uh, we're we're building up to to the big uh the big prom prom promo the prom promy <laughs> the prom yeah so that's uh that's, that's... where we are yes anything and we're else excited i'm thrilled i'm actually quite thrilled to go back and watch alien i haven't seen it i haven't actually sit, sat down and watched probably four or five years so i'm very excited to watch it i'm gonna sit down with my six-year-old and see if he gets into
1: it at all <laughs> you do that let's talk yeah. about how well that goes i'll over. let you know it's how that weird. goes yeah you'll be talking you'll be recording from the dog house. <laughs> <laughs> all right i i got nothing else are you done i'm done all i you. am spent and i'm spent